the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, we wonder whether Major League Baseball will ever reach a deal. Kyrie Irving threatens to take his ball and go home. And we discuss one of the most eventful days in sports news with ESPN's 30 for 30, June 17, 1994. Get on your feet. You're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Mac. And I'm Heather, the butterfly. No, oh, that's old. OJ Simpson killed Nicole Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. I'm also, done. I'm done. <laughs> we just started. You can't be done yet. I'm done. That's it. Man, I haven't even gotten through the intro. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just gave him the giggles, apparently. So we'll just skip all oh, that. Just man. if you're an Apple subscriber, leave us a five-star <laughs> review. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a great show. Oh, it's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I'm okay. Uh, I can't complain. How about you guys? Oh, I mean, I can complain. Right. I can complain. Doesn't I mean, mean anybody's going to give a shit about it. But. Yeah, that's why I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and call it a day. <laughs> Anything new or exciting going on this week? Fuck no, man. This is we're in quarantine time, man. And there, there's nothing good going on. Eh, I'll beg to differ. Kind of have a light at the end of the tunnel of my drama, but yeah, I see. I'm happy about that. I'm happy for other yes. people. For me, I'm sorry, no. you're what? My drama, my drama that I your drama, my drama that I have going on, but it's fine. It's good. We're it's it's gonna get figured out, but we're all right. So that Louisiana accent coming out, Mm -hmm. drama, drama. Yeah. Well, our top story tonight is Major League Baseball continuing to struggle to reach any sort of a deal because everybody wants their money. Um. Uh. The. The both sides have put forth proposals, but the owners continue to demand a portion of an already agreed upon prorated salary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this over and over. Major League Baseball owners fucking suck. Um, it's like, dude, barely anybody's watching your product anymore uh, compared yeah. to base, you know, uh, basketball and football. And you're going to essentially cut off your nose to spite your face at this point yeah when you could have been getting some bad revenue yeah from, from television deals yeah i mean and that's the thing like you're not going to make as much money this season as you made in other years like that that's that's already locked in no one's no one's getting close to even this year you know right like you're, you're just going to take it on the chin you're going to take that loss um but the thing is, is these owners want to get away from paying contracts that they negotiated and 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 or their or their general managers negotiated and they agreed to pay. Now you can't pay for the whole season, obviously, because you're not gonna get 162 games plus playoffs, right? Right. But but 
you know, if you play, if you play 40% of a season or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. then you get, you get 40% of that pay. Right. Which was you agreed know? upon back in March. Yeah. Uh, you know? Now the owners want to say, well, we'll pay you like 80% of that 40%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a straight up money grab from the owners. Um, and it's, it's gross, you know, because the thing is, if you don't put a product on the field, you're not getting that TV money, you know, you're not TV, getting any money. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where you make the bulk of your income is, is those TV deals and merchandising. So I, I don't understand what the thought process is. Um, it, it seems really short sighted by baseball owners. And again, it's, it's not surprising. It really isn't. It's not surprising at all that they've, you know, decided, Hey, um, we could get some games in, we could, you know, have a shortened season and playoff and then go into next year, you know, for a full 162 games or whatever the case is, you know? Um, but you know, there, it seems like they're dead set on just like, uh, no, you know, what? let me, let me, uh, uh, get up to as much fuckery as I can, you know? So, yeah, well, it's it's worth noting. So over the weekend, the players basically said, we're done negotiating. Tell us when and where, and we'll be there. Uh, basically saying to Commissioner Rob Manfred, set, set things up. Um, yeah, and the thing is, I don't think we can trust Manfred to do shit. Um, well, there, there was a new proposal put forward today from the yeah. Baseball. It was. And from what I've been reading, a lot of journalists are, are actually kind of hopeful about it. They're like, if if there was something that would go like that would be likely to be agreed upon, it could be this one. So it's because it's games, it's games. at 100 percent of salary for fully prorated. Yep. Yep. Fully prorated. And it's a 16 team, uh, 16 team postseason. And so but it kind of but what they're saying, though, is that like. Because that's up 10 games from the 50 that they were originally saying. Yeah. And, but that's still really not that much more, like, money-wise. And right. what they're saying – and um, oh, crap, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, but, yeah, it, but they were saying that really they're like, no, I think – they were saying for it to be successful, they need to be going up the ladder a little more on the number of games. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, man. I just – Manfred to me is – uh, you know, and this is just my opinion. Like I don't, and it's just what he's done since he's taken over. He's a very pro owner uh, commissioner. Like you could tell he works for the, for the owners. Right. And, you know, I, I, the only thing I really agree with him on about anything he's done is floating the possibility of the league wide designated hitter. Uh, other than that, I, I just like the, the robo umps and, you know, um, you know, the challenges like he's trying to cram challenges into baseball while shortening games. Like how the fuck are you going to like, what kind of mental gymnastics do you need to like fucking accomplish in order to make that seem like a great idea? You know? So I I don't know, man. Um, Do I want to see baseball? Absolutely. You guys know that, but I think it'd be stupid for the players to give in to the owners on anything right now, because the minute you give in, they're going to take more than than what you agreed to. Yeah, um, it's worth noting that this proposal did come out of a face to face meeting between Manfred and Players Association President uh, Tony Clark. Tony, Tony Clark. Yeah. I yeah. keep wanting yeah. to say Tony Gwynn, and I know that that's wrong. Yeah, uh, 
if Tony Gwynn's negotiating for the players right now, that would be really bad because he's been dead a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Tony Clark. No. So it, it, it did come from Manfred. It did come from the Players Association. We may see 60 games 100%. I mean, it, the owners should just go with what was agreed upon. Why, why are they trying to backtrack now? Um, that that's my question is, is what was the impetus for them to, to negotiate this deal and then suddenly try and walk back from it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I, I really want some baseball back. Uh, I've never missed baseball more than I did this year. Bro, if you were talking about watching the EPL. Okay. You need something. All right. Yeah. I need sports in my life. What were yeah. sports podcast? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, I, I agree with you, but like you said, Tim, it needs to be done safely. Like you have to do it safely. If not, you know, we're, you're risking, uh, you know, people's lives. And I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, as, as much as I love sports, my life is not worth going to, you know, a game if it's not in a safe, uh, or, you know, or conducted in a safe manner. Absolutely. Uh, another league that seemed to seem to have everything together until this week is the NBA. Um <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a at least a more than zero portion of the players who are threatening to not play in the agreed upon July 31st start date, but it's not because of coronavirus. Um, yeah, it's it's I mean, I get where Kyrie's coming from on that. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish him. Well, I, it's, it's about the current political climates. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, vice president of the Players Association, has led a growing movement that says they shouldn't play without some real change as it pertains to race relations in the country. Uh, the problem with that is, is I haven't heard any sort of, for lack of a better word, demands. Like what, what, what Mark needs to be met yeah, for them to say, okay, that's enough change for us to get back onto the court. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to issue a kind of decree like that, um, you, you have to make the demands quantifiable. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie hasn't done that at all. Um, and see, what I'm interested to see or hear about is how is the relation between the president of the Players Association? Uh, which uh, is Chris Paul. Right? Yeah. And, and, and Kyrie, because if Chris is trying to put, you know, get people back on the court, uh, you know, he's sitting there negotiating with the, with, with the governors of the league and, and uh, Adam Silver about how to do that safely. And you've got your VP behind you saying, nah, man, we can't do this. Um, and again, I understand why Kyrie's doing it. Uh, I think he's got a point. Um, but, you know, you, like you said, there has to be something quantifiable. What, what is the measurement for success, like you said, to get them back out on the court? Yeah, Chris Paul seems to be oddly silent during all of this, at least like on Twitter and social media. Uh, so we're not really sure where he's at in this whole thing. So maybe maybe he's maybe he's doing that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, he is the president of the Players Association. Mm-hmm. Like that's he's not probably some- doing that on purpose because he does not like the way that things are right now. Anything that you say can get twisted and mauled into something completely yeah. different. So I, I, yeah, so I, I, I would do the same thing. I'd be completely radio silent about it right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the thing though. I, that's a really smart play, Heather. I agree with you. Like mm-hmm. just be quiet 
uh, continue to negotiate with the with the governors and the and the commissioner, and then hopefully you sit down with Kyrie and, and the group of players that agree with them, um, and say, hey, what are we doing? Like, what's what's the, you know, what are the metrics we can measure by here so we can, you know, get back on the court and and finish the season. So, I mean, but you know what's not going to work? Starting your own league. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Does uh, does Kyrie have Mark Cuban money? Because I don't think he does. I don't think Mark Cuban has the money to start yeah. his own league. Yeah, you know. Does Mark like, Cuban just, have Vince McMahon money? I mean, even then, Vince McMahon didn't do it that well twice. Yeah. So that's so that's. Hmm. I'm gonna have a conversation about that later. <laughs> Kyrie has been accused of threatening to start his own league. It may have been an offhanded comment. It was something that was said in a team chat with the uh, the Brooklyn Nets players. And then as soon as that leaked, Kyrie's like, I never said that and left the chat. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the funny like thing is, it's like, girl drama or yeah, drama. One of, one, drama. Of his te- one of his teammates were like, yo, man, you're stupid. This shit's going on Bleacher Report. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like I can't talk plenty of bitches. Yeah, I mean, and again, I get where Kyrie's coming from, and I think there's a good intention behind it. But when you have a, a, a demand like Kyrie has, you know, like you said, you have to have a, a metric to measure it by, so yeah. you can so you can meet it, um, or at least get the ball rolling, and then uh, see, you know, what comes of it. You can't hold anything hostage without giving your hostage negotiator something to work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, I, I can see the NBA's already got a plan in place. Uh, I mm-hmm. imagine they're already doing lo- the logistical piece, um, you know, so that the NBA is going to start and they're going to do this. And yeah. whether Kyrie's on the floor or not, uh, is, I think that's going to be up to him because something tells me the Brooklyn Nets, um, are going to be on the floor, you know, because uh, they're, they're one of the teams that were going to be invited, correct? Yes, I believe yeah. so. And, they, and let's face it, they they played before Corona hit. They were playing without Kyrie anyway because Kyrie was injured. <laughs> so, I mean, for them, Shot, it just be like – Shots fired. Yeah, you Shot know, it's just, fired. Like, it's just like, yo, we'll just go out and play ball like we have been all season because, you know, you weren't there. So, yeah. I mean – I mean, well, it is what it is. Worth mentioning that the Brooklyn Nets probably wouldn't be around for too long this year. They are the number seven seed and would be playing the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, that's still – Brooklyn has a good team. Um, even without KD and Kyrie on the floor, they're really young. Um, they had to get rid of some pieces to bring those two in. But, I mean, it's, it's just – after uh, – you know, moving to Brooklyn and going through the the Prokhorov ownership years, which was awful because he tried to buy a championship and he did it miserably by paying, overpaying Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce at the end of their careers. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's essentially, I think he traded four first round picks for those two uh, from Boston. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see that Brooklyn's built like a sustainable franchise there. Um, well, let's you know. talk about the platform piece of this. It's, you know, there's the argument to be made that holding the league hostage gets your voice out there. But what about the flip side? We're talking about the only league that has got a plan in place for when and where they're starting. Yeah. All eyes are going to be on the NBA. 
couldn't you make the argument that that's arguably a bigger platform than being just like all the other leagues and not being in existence? Well, I mean, I think it's it's more of a you know it, it's it's a it gives them the ability to be in front of a camera on a bigger mm-hmm. stage. You're you're right, um, but. Uh, you know the uh, the biggest worry is it's take it would take away attention from what's happening. It's the um, whole argument about the the gladiators in Rome as Rome was falling. It kept yeah. the masses entertained while everything was crumbling. Yeah, but let's face it, the NBA players have also been at the forefront. Um, you know, the last five or six years uh, in this recent spate of police violence against uh, you know people of color. So, I mean. You know, LeBron is going to speak his piece no matter what. That man might be the most powerful person in sports right now. Yes. Uh, um, You know, which is saying something. Uh, But, you know, if if he feels there's an issue, he's going to speak out. I mean, he's he's made that abundantly clear. And he's going to do it in warm-ups, you know, for a game. (laughs) Um, You know, LeBron is going to ensure that, you know, the NBA players are are kind of – Maybe United's not the right word, but they're on the same page when it comes to, hey, um, you know, we have to we have to do this. Kind of like what the Clippers did when all that Donald Sterling shit hit. Those players came out and said, fuck him, man. He might be the guy who signs my paychecks, but he's a scumbag, um, you know, and, and they were all on the same page, you know, and, and protested against their own owner until, you know, uh, Stern and Silver forced him to sell the team to Ballmer. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's. NBA players have, I think, a little more leeway compared to their contemporaries, um, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, the NFL, and in the NHL. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's a story that we'll keep an eye on in the coming weeks. We'll see what happens. But it is also worth mentioning that LeBron's teammate, Dwight Howard, came out in support of Kyrie. Well, I mean, he's, he's always, he's always marched to the beat of his own drum, Dwight Howard. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's fine. It, you know, it is what it is. You're going to have different personalities on a team. Um, you know, Dwight Howard's always had a big personality, always, you know, with the Superman stuff and, and, and all that, you know? So, I mean, we, we all know who the, the, the head of the Lakers is, you know, that's, that's oh, definitely that's LeBron James, you know, um, he's the boss. So, you know, so, I mean, it's if LeBron playing. They all playing. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see Dwight Howard tell LeBron James to fuck himself. I'm going to sit this one out um, because you, you'll you get the LeBron stare the way uh, old fucking J.R. Smith did. <laughs> and and nobody wants that stare. OK, nobody wants. Yeah, nobody wants that stare. Um, what else? Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, said he was interested in working cap out. I did see that. And he said something about, like, he doesn't understand why more teams aren't. Well, I mean, the Chargers have a definite hole at quarterback. Yeah. Um, Who is their quarterback this year? They brought back Tyrod Taylor. Um, That's right. (laughs) You know, That's right. And, and I'm not trying to knock Tyrod. Uh, I'm not. You know, I think he's a serviceable backup. You know, he'll, he'll, he can get you a good few games, but he's not going to get you a good 16 good games, you know. Um, and I mean, and, and what do the Chargers have to lose at this point? They've got a really good young team. Um, even they if you can't bring, lose any fans. Yeah. You know, because I mean, nobody goes to the fucking games anyway. <laughs> and, and let's face it, if you can't sell out a 20,000 seat soccer stadium, 
no one's watching the fucking game anyway. So yeah. just bring, I mean, you might even get people to come in and watch the Chargers. Uh, right, just, it's, it's almost all reward, no risk. Yeah, you know why the fuck not? You know, I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? You know, it. I, I mean, honestly, I would do it. Shit, I would love if Belichick just sacked up. It was like, bro. I'm going to work you out because I have Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham that are going to be <laughs> on my roster this year. Yeah. But you know that uh Kraft would never let that happen, man. Fuck Bob Kraft. I will go out. It, dude. If I heard that the Pats signed cap, I would, I'd be the first person to be online and ordering a authentic Kaepernick Jersey for number seven for, you know, $5 million or whatever the NFL <laughs> team stores charges for jerseys, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a little expensive. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I can't see Bob Kraft letting Belichick work Kaepernick out. But well, dude, let's face it. Kraft bought a shit franchise, okay, and it was trash. Never to give Bill Bill Parcells a lot of credit for making them respectable, and they were for two or three years. Um, but I'll never forgive Bill Parcells for ta- calling Terry Glenn a she. Um, because he was mad at him. Uh, Parcells was just a really large personality that liked to take, you know, credit for a lot of work that his subordinates did. Um, you know, but the Patriots didn't become the Patriots until Kraft, you know, decided to take a step back and let Belichick run things. So if Belichick ever got the wild hair up his ass to sign Kaepernick, Kraft would do well just to shut the fuck up and let him work him out and see if he can make the roster, you know? I mean, Tim, Tim Tebow was there. Tim Tebow was uh, on the preseason roster. Uh, right. On the flip side, like, what's Kraft going to do? Fire Belichick and let yeah. risk him going anywhere else? Yeah, you know what Belichick would do? He would wait another year for Bruce Arians to retire because that seemed to be Arians' thing, and then he would go <laughs> down to Tampa and join the rest of the fucking crew. <laughs> Pull a gronk. Oh... Heather, you had a story too. Um, yeah, it was that the uh, the NCAA okayed a six week practice plan um, for football. So, like that's getting yeah. us a little closer to football, maybe. Um, basically, that puts them somewhere between so, Major League Baseball and the NHL in terms of mm-hmm. return plans. Exactly. Yeah. Um. It, uh, Basically, you know, for football stuff that, you know, usually starts around July. Um, They also voted to waive the preseason limit of 110 athletes. Um, So they and they've kind of left that to the discretion of the school. Um, Essentially, what this is going to do is just going to kind of create a bubble within that institution, because usually between like walk ons and everything like that, usually uh in the summer or whatever, you could have anywhere between what 120, 130 athletes. I, I think so. And you can only dress, uh, can't even remember how many you're allowed to dress, but exactly. Um, and so the, what this is going to do is this is really going to let, you know, the players that have already showed up to campus, you know, for their, for their conditioning and everything like that, it allows them to stay and not go home and then have to come back. Yeah, well, did it which, did is, it, which is smart on on their part to do? Did it, did it like outline a testing uh, protocol or anything? No, it didn't. Um, I, again, they've left that to, at the discretion of the schools to kind of figure out on their own. <laughs> I can already see Texas schools testing. We don't need no fucking testing. We don't need no testing. 
Ain't no Corona down here. Mm-mm. We got everything opened up. Listen, they all, listen, the cumulative score on their ACTs is drool. Okay, so it's fine. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, so you know that's good. That's that's headway. That's really good headway. I, I know some UT football uh, graduates that would disagree with you, Heather. That did not play football. Mm. <laughs> I'm so glad we don't have any Texas listeners, and you know, after tonight, we're not going to. No, no we're not. no, we're, we're not getting any. The the one that's gonna let start this episode is gonna be like, man, fuck these assholes, and just that's it. We've already lost them. We've already yeah. lost them. Leave a one star review about 20, how we're all dickheads. Twenty four, yeah, twenty four minutes in, and he's out. <laughs> or she, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll wait and see if NCAA gets anything together more than just a six week plan. For the second half of the show, we turn to ESPN's 30 for 30, 6-17-1994. Not to be confused with today's date, 6-17-2020. Uh, I was fascinated by the way this one was done. Um, there, was, there was no interviews with talking heads, just pieced together clips of the day. Um, Heather, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I, I actually really liked it. Number one fan was not a big fan of this. In anyways, but um, no, I actually did. I actually really enjoyed it because it really it brought back so many memories. And what I loved about it was that I didn't have a narrator to guide me through those memories. Like, yeah. like it, I was able to go back and remember what I, where I was and what I was doing and like all of that. So I actually really liked it. I, I think what hit me most is right when they did the little director interview before they started it. How emo did that asshole look? Oh my god! <laughs> I was so surprised he did not have a man bun. <laughs> no, he, he was. He had he had the old emo like my my bangs. It was in his eyes. It's, yeah, it's, it's, you could. You don't need to see my eyes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I thought it was a great bit of filmmaking that he just took clips. To yeah. kind of walk you through everything, you know. I thought that it was, was very simple. It was yeah. very simple and very easy to follow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'll be honest. You know, I am the baby in this group, so I don't really have a recollection of that day. That was kind of, I mean, uh, I was I was almost seven at the time, um, and I was still just starting to get into sports. We watched football back then and you know we didn't really actually get into baseball too hard until after uh the strike so you know i wasn't really tuned into what was going on i do remember where i was when the conviction was handed out or the lack thereof yeah um the but verdict, you don't remember what i was you, looking for but you don't remember the chase or anything like that. no i wasn't really tuned oh, in then i oh. was angry because i was trying to watch the basketball game at my dad's yeah. And they cut away every five fucking seconds to watch mm-hmm. some dickhead driving a Bronco down the 405 in California. I was like, I don't care about this. What I care about is watching Hakeem fucking lay it on Patrick Ewing in the net in the Knicks. Cause I fuck, I hate all New York teams. I hate them. So for that, for that series, I was a Rockets fan. And again, I was always a big Hakeem Olajuwon fan. I love that guy. And you know what's funny is I literally know nothing about the dude, but for some reason, he had the best name to me. He was <laughs> that was like that was my favorite name of somebody. Yep. 
I thought yeah. it was the coolest name. And even now, like I was making my notes and I was like, oh yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but I just thought he had the coolest name. So, I, so let's look at the day that was going on when all this happened. You had Arnold Palmer playing in his final round of golf at the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open, at least at the PGA level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ken Griffey tied the record for most home runs before June 30th. Mm-hmm. With Babe Ruth. With yeah, Babe Ruth. Uh-huh. Uh, the Rangers ha- hosted their Stanley Cup parade after winning for the first time in 54 years, I think it was. It was 54 years. Uh, but listen, though, they squeaked that one through, though, because everything else got overshadowed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. The Knicks the Knicks took a 3-2 lead on the Rockets, and nobody remembers any of that. I do. Um, um, also, too, don't, well, no, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. You said that. Well, I mean, and something, too, that's literally only mentioned in the movie for like this much is that the world cup the first oh, yeah. world cup was held i, I forgot that on my notes it, it was yeah. the first time <laughs> See, that, exactly that's how yeah. like inconsequential um, it was i took so. these notes from memory so i forgot to add that back in yeah um but yeah so also the world cup mm-hmm. was uh, kicked off for the first time in the united states with president yeah. bill clinton yeah, and I, Oprah. It was I'm, God. How American was it? Yeah, I, I swear mean, to God. Fuck, fucking slick Willie and, and the voice of every suburbanite mom in America. Uh, you know, like it was um, so just so American. Yeah, I mean it's it's for a sport that nobody cares about in the United States. Well, then, then now oh. I mean soccer is totally different now. Soccer, I mean, there were yeah, kids. Well, now that, it is. Yeah, now it is. But there were kids that play. Oh God, though. nobody, nobody gave a shit. Exactly. But, it's di- it's so different now. It, I mean, the '96 Women's World Cup is kind of what pulled the U.S. into um, the orbit of mm-hmm. of the you know the soccer universe, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of shows because our men's soccer team fucking sucks. You know, and then look at our women, look at our women's team. They just dominate everything. Bro, bro. I want to know, did anybody catch that there was a line said by an announcer that if it had been said today would have been an instant firing? Uh, There was a line by one of the broadcasters during the whole thing that said, uh, did you hear that OJ is at the U.S. Open? Yeah, he already has two under. Yeah. And yeah. I heard that I was like, "Oh it my was, god!" Yeah, I, I was just sitting I'm there like, "Very sad that I missed that because yeah. that is because in 2020 he'd have been fired by the time he got that sentence out." Oh yeah, dude, they would have had him pulled off the broadcast, and his ass, like you said, would have been in, in front of like his production manager right there at the stadium and told, "Hey, we're not even, we're not covering your per diem, and we're not getting your flight home. Just get the fuck just, out. Just you get know? out of here." You know. Um. Uh, I heard that and I was like, whoa, did he really just say that? Yeah, I think I it mean, was somebody at the NBA championship. I, I thought it no, I thought it was Griffey. I thought it was during the Griffey. Oh, you know uh, what? You're right. It was during yeah. the Griffey broadcast. It was. Yeah. Because uh, in basketball, you don't have a lot of time to bullshit like that. You're typically doing it in between timeouts. Yeah. yeah. Major, Major League Baseball. You have all the time in the world. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. you got, you could, you could, honestly, you could slow roast a brisket in the amount of time it takes to watch one baseball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you line know. just stood out to me. I was like, wow, he really yeah. just said that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say something because I was just sitting there like, holy shit. Well, like, 
Well, you know what? That might have been during a time when I was laughing at number one fan because anytime Costas showed up, <laughs> oh, it was just this audible, just. Uh, yeah, number one fan James has a vendetta ever since that, at this that point, last week. Oh, dude! And what kills me is, is I like James and I were texting. I was like, "Yo, man, like, I don't understand why you're so hateful of Costas because Vince McMahon turned into an asshole for every interview after the steroid trial. You know, he was just like, mm-hmm. fuck everybody, the press, rah, rah, rah. you know. But it, and he's like, no, nobody besmirches Vince." It's yeah, no, he does. On our yeah. podcast. Yeah. That's when no. we do it, you know. He's a fanboy. He is. He, he's an admitted fanboy. He is. Well, I'm surprised he's still friends with Mac because Mac's ripped on Vince pretty hard oh, on this so show. Bad. So no, bad. No, it's no, it's balance. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> balance. It's yin and yang. It's yep. yin and yang. That's what it is. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, what were some of your guys' takeaways? I thought it was batshit crazy how the civil air administration allowed that many aircraft within close proximity to each other enough to interfere with phone lines and have their own TV feeds leak in on each other. Yeah. Dude, Where, it's, what, because it's fucking OJ. And, and well, they're like, we're, we're, this isn't Barbara Walters. Yeah. No, we're not channel five Baba either. Wala? <laughs> yeah. Baba Baba? I am. I am like th- this, this entire fiasco uh kind of really ushered in the kind of mass uh hysteria media i mean you you always had that fascination with athletes and and famous people before um but you had literal like channel 5 nbc news from like uh bumfuck california burning thousands of dollars per minute getting a helicopter in the air just so they can follow it you know, and like for me, even now, as, as someone who's studying journalism and trying to get in the field, like for me, O.J. Simpson, that is not a national story. That is, that is a guy who's dealing like that. That's that's like something you don't put on the front page. That's, that's a murder. Um, yeah. And and for, for me, it's it's not a high profile thing. That honest, honestly, what's unfortunate, allegedly, it was a domestic violence thing. And how many other hundreds of thousands of those that end up like that do not end up in the paper? That's you know? well, yeah, but I mean, it only ended up in the paper because it was OJ. Yeah, that's but for me, that, that's not world-breaking news. No, okay? I got you. No, I got and, you. And, and it's it's really snowballed now. Um, so, like, when a fucking Jenner farts really nasty in a club, it's you know, it's on a fucking front plate, you know, front page blurb, and I'm like, why? This is which a this is news. the event. This is the event that gave birth to the whole Kardashian family. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, well, and it also it also made me uh, really buy into the conspiracy theory that the one really tall Kardashian is is not a Kardashian at all. all right. Oh, Chloe, Chloe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That, that's that's OJ's kid. <laughs> Jesus. <Christ. laughs> um. No. Okay. So. Um, it's funny because because James and I were actually having this conversation kind of about it, and. Because he, because for him, it was just kind of like, meh, um, about the whole thing. Um, but I was, I, the way I was explaining it to him, I was like, look, I was like, it is not often where, where, you know, the paths of so, of different major sports, you know, 
trajectory. Like it was a huge day in sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it is not often that those roads cross. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe sometimes you might get some football and NBA stuff that might, maybe, or usually it might be like football and uh, MLB usually because those are the two that that will run yeah parallel to each other the the season's kicking off for football and then exactly baseball's wrapping their shit up yeah exactly so sometimes you'll have where their paths are a little parallel to each other but it is does not happen very often where you have hockey nba golf basketball and NFL, where they all yeah. kind of meet yeah. at this one junction in time of these major events, too. Yeah. And so I was like, that does not happen ever. Yeah, you ever. had all four major sports and golf and soccer. Exactly. Like, that yeah. does not happen. So that's why it's like, that's kind of where the cultural significance yeah. of it comes in, even though a lot of it was overshadowed because of OJ. Mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah. just it's something that I like it's it's honestly something I don't know if, the, if we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. Oh, I doubt it. Um, not not like I that. can't think because I can't think of an example where it happened before. Or since. Or since. Yeah, exactly. It's just it, it, it was just one of those seminal moments. Um, and if not if for nothing more than it was OJ, you know, like this was yeah. this was a guy you got to think of when he was playing football. All right. So in the 60s and the 70s. Very racially uh, charged Mm -hmm. time. Yep. And O.J. Simpson was liked by both whites and blacks at the same time. Yeah, because wasn't it in that documentary they were saying, you know, like O.J. could go into a country club and nobody would bat an eye because it was O.J. Well, he he went to the marquee program at the time, Southern Cal, you know, one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he, he was very eloquent in the way he spoke. I mean, he was one of the first actual like play by play black play by play guys, if I remember correctly. When he retired, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was in all the commercials. He's doing the uh, lethal or what uh, the movies with Leslie uh, O'Neill. Uh, Naked Gun. Uh, Naked Gun. Yeah. Naked uh, Gun movies. Leslie Nielsen. Le- Leslie O'Neill? Nielsen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm allowed to to misplace okay. actors' names occasionally, you know. But like this guy, he was he was uh, he had broad based appeal, mm-hmm. and then you know it comes out his ex wife at the time, or his sep- or his uh, estranged wife or whatever the case was, you know, uh, winds up murdered with her friend, okay, and then it comes out that well we're thinking oh uh, yeah did. quote unquote friend yeah. Um, you know, OJ did it. And then it's just what I remember most about it. It's not even just the chase because I was 13 years old and that just pissed me off that I couldn't watch basketball. Okay. <laughs> what I remember is in school watching the trial every day um, and how that unfolded. And when the verdict came out, mm-hmm. uh, how you saw such a, like an explosion of just conflicted, uh, conflicted opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a friend who's like, he clerked and interned last year in a law office. Like he's in law school right now. I think he just finished up his second year. Um, and he said, it's not even about the law. It's what you can prove, Yeah, you know, and look at the, you know, the lineup of attorneys that OJ had with him. Like, 
who's beating those guys? <laughs> you know? Well, and, and LAPD bumbled that whole thing. Yeah, the right. district attorney's office and LAPD fucked it all up. They really did. Oh, my um, God. Because you know, I'm a bit of a true crime buff. So, like, yeah. I, yeah, they, they were complete just they just goof them ups is all the I, whole thing. I always I always had like a really conflicted opinion about the entire thing until OJ got out of prison for like armed robbery and then writes the book wrote a book called if I if did I it. did it yeah swear to God <laughs> you know and I'm just like Jesus OJ you could have just got out of prison and hung out with your kids but he writes a book and then starts getting on Twitter. And I'm like, no, bro, don't do that. That's such a bad idea. And I'm. <laughs> and it hasn't stopped him because apparently, no. like, his Twitter is like a, actually a treasure from what I understand, from what I've read about. Oh, it. man. Yeah. It's, it's, he likes to put I'm not saying there. what kind of treasure it is, yeah. but apparently it is a treasure. Yeah. But I mean, I thought it was just, it was such a, you know, from start to finish, it was just so easy to to follow. Now, what I did kind of mind was um, almost the exclusive use of ESPN clips. Uh, <laughs> it's their movie. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you this dude pitched it and was like, yo, will you guys buy it? And ESPN's like, yeah, I tell you what, go to the archive. You can put all our shit in there. Because the thing that offended me most about the whole thing was Keith Olbermann's fucking mustache. <laughs> that shit was gross. So, so something, a little tidbit, Mac, since you were so up in arms about the coverage of the game being affected by the chase um, for, for the Knicks game, is it, uh, for KNBC completely dropped the game. This was in L.A. This was in L.A. They completely just dropped the game uh, for coverage of the chase and didn't even split the screen until the end of the game, which was still close <laughs> at that point. Um, because And that was only because at that point, uh, Simpson had returned to his Brentwood mansion and had surrendered to police. Yeah, yeah. That was the only reason they went even back to the game. Now, what I thought was really trippy was the little blurb at the end where they recorded that his cell phone call while mm -hmm. he the chase was going on, and they couldn't use that in court. Mm -hmm. um, I was just like, wow, I guarantee you the however long that chase was. First Two off, hours. Two hours. How, how good of gas mileage did that Bronco have where he okay, made it? Okay. okay, first of all, it was only going 35 miles per hour. But yeah, still, it wasn't like a high speed chase. It was it, it was a low speed chase. That's exactly was, how they refer to it as a it, low speed chase. It was a gigantic old school Ford Bronco. Those things only got like four miles to the gallon. Well, so, well that, that's know. probably why that he was going 35 miles <laughs> per hour. Okay. Hey, OJ, if I go above 35, man, we're going to have to stop the gas. Listen, there, <laughs> I guarantee you there was a governor at like 45. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I just thought that was really crazy. Like, how could they not have used that two hour conversation in court? Um, and I like what I, I'm curious to hear the whole fucking thing. Like, I want the whole thing and just push play and listen and see what they were talking about. That would the be incredible. Time. Yeah. Um, 
Well, what I, I mean, thought was well, one of my favorite things was when you saw um, AC, the driver, yeah. whenever they get to his mansion, you see his hands out and you can tell that he's like, get me the fuck out of here. I am done. <laughs> it's over. Just let it let me get out. <laughs> you, you know, his nerves were shot at that oh point. My God, that well, yeah. Me. I mean, you, you got to figure OJ probably threatened to kill him at one point. Uh, he was worried he was going to kill himself. I'm not saying that. Uh, I, I think he was probably more worried about than you know OJ sitting in the back seat and fucking shooting himself while he's driving down the 405. Yeah, yeah, well, and that was and and well, that was one of his teammates. It was Cal. Yeah, Cal. yeah, it's Al, Al Cowling. Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Simpson would have ever threatened to shoot him. I, I just don't like no. those two went all the way back to the to late mid mid to late sixties with each other. Yeah, they played at USC together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like they were they were they went way back. And but and I can tell you right now, I know he didn't sign on for that. Yeah. He didn't sign on for that at all. He just thought he was helping his buddy out. Next thing you know, he's driving thirty five miles an hour down the middle of the four oh five. Like what's two hours (laughs) with literally like half of LAPD behind him. Yeah. Can can we talk about how we're in the we're talking about the pre-social media age and people were still like, oh, I need to get Lined over up. there and get above that bridge. And, and they had yeah. signs, like, yeah, like it was, there goes my notes. Um, yeah, it was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big um, deal. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gross. I mean, because you're, you're watching, honestly, um, you know, no, I'm not trying to discount what happened in Nicole Brown Simpson and uh, Ron. What is his name? Ron um, Goldman. Goldman. I knew there was a, a precious metal in there. I just couldn't remember what. Um, That's offensive. I, I'm, it's been a while. Um, but like, this was a train wreck. Like, why are we doing that? Um, it, it, I just, I, I, it's distasteful to me. Like, I, I can't imagine like chasing this shit down. Um, and then you, Americans have a love affair with train wrecks. Yeah, well, I mean, but this is this is. is a this is a you know, it, it'd be one thing if it was you know, I don't know. I, I just I, I I find it so fucking gross, you know. And then they showed the clips of the people like from news cameras that are just like running around and smiling and shit. And I'm like, uh, there are two kids that have no mom anymore, and they're getting ready to lose their dad. Yep. Yeah. You know, or, or that's a possibility. Like, why are you making light of this entire situation? Yeah, um, it was a whole spectacle. Yeah, and I just, you know, it, to this day, you know, I, I can't, I, I, like I said, it's, I think it's well, fucking gross. It, I, I feel like this was one of those things where it really highlighted the, the lows that some people will go to just to be famous or to have their name on something or their, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. where, where their, where their moral line becomes very wiggly. And so that's, that's, and, and, and we really hadn't before then, I don't feel like we really had like seen that journalists had still kind of, kind of kept a clear distance you know from it but with this because it was happening in real time and it was such a high profile person i think that it that curtain kind of dropped a bit and yeah the ruthlessness and uh, of what people would do yeah i mean story but no, no i'm not saying that it didn't happen before but it was just on this the the public could actually see it happen yeah oh i mean 
one of the first words they told me in my first journalism class was if it bleeds, it leads. Um, like that's always your lead story. Um, but you know, like, again, we, we lost sight of his kids. Like, I can't imagine the years of therapy those kids have been through and they're still yeah. going oh through. Yeah. I mean, because there was like shots of them in the car sobbing and they're still trying to shove cameras and microphones yeah. in their face. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I honestly, the LAPD, they could have just let, you know, OJ's family beat the shit out of those reporters and I wouldn't have felt bad about it. And I'm saying that no. as someone who's trying to get into journalism like dude get the fuck out of their face let them grieve well somebody did try towards the end there i don't yeah, know who the, that was and the, and the lapd got in between them no <laughs> okay you know, just, but you know what though but you know what though we're doing the same thing of what happened on that day we're letting the oj shit overpower everything else that's well, going on well to I'm be honest. fair that's what the documentary yeah. was really about as as a fair as enough a but I still As, think the other stuff is still important yeah. too. Well, I will I, I will automatically discount the Rangers parade. I don't think a parade really factors into the well, equation. That, the rest like, of so it, yeah. I did that early in the morning. And like I said, it squeaked by. It yeah. squeaked yeah. through everything else that had happened. So yeah. like the Rangers got their shit. Like they were yeah. super excited. So. As a as a sports fan, I didn't give a shit that a geriatric old white dude was swinging a little stick at a ball. I didn't care. Yeah, right. I will say I was in awe of Griffey's swing as I always am oh, every dude, time he takes a crack. Oh at my god! I listen. I had a turquoise Mariners jersey that was Ken Griffey Jr. That was my brother's that I stole when I could. I'll admit it. I stole it when I could. Like took it to camp with me. <laughs> like. Yeah, I was yeah. I was I was big on the Ken Griffey Jr. fan club back then. Ninety four was such a big loss in baseball because that could have been the first chase, uh, the mm-hmm. home run chase. Yep. It, it, it was Griffey. Okay. Now also keep in mind at that point in 1994, the Montreal Expos had the best record in baseball. Wow. Um, they were 64 and 40 when the strike hit and nobody was within 10 games of them in the national league. So like this, this team was stacked and they very well probably would have won the world series that year. And that could have saved baseball in Montreal, but instead we come back from the strike and with the adjusted financials of the game, mm-hmm. Montreal couldn't afford to keep the Larry Walkers and the Pedro Martinez's and a lot of those young players that they had. Uh, and they got farmed out and help other teams win. You know, Walker had a great career in um, uh, Colorado and St. Louis and then you, what Pedro just go and do? Like he helped Boston break the curse in 2004, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and Pedro pitched, I think, until his age 40 season, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the Expos ended up almost getting contracted. You know, those mm-hmm. were one of the teams that was supposed to be eliminated. Um, but they, <laughs> Major League Baseball essentially exchanged, uh, you know, took Jeff Lee, Jeffrey Gloria said, hey, you know, the league went said, hey, Jeffrey, we'll buy the Expos from you and we'll run the team. And you can go ahead and buy the Florida Marlins. <laughs> Deal. Right? Yeah. And he, he, he paid pennies on the dollar for the Marlins because all Wayne Huizenga wanted to do was get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, you know? And then he ran that team in the ground, had Miami-Dade, my, the city of Miami and Miami-Dade County, literally, uh, they're, they're going to be up in their eyeballs in debt for 35 years trying to pay that stadium off. 
Uh And then he turned around and sold that team, which is one of the worst major league baseball for $1.4 billion uh, to a group led by Derek Jeter. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, It's worth noting Griffey was on track for, it looks like about 58 home runs that year. So he definitely would have been. No, dude, let's face it. You you and I both know. Griffey would have caught fire because that's what he would do. He would go on tears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah I'm just yeah, going off the, his pace. Yeah. He had 40 yeah, home runs the, through 111 games. Yeah. By the end of by the end of the month, he was at 32 by the end of the month. Yeah. He, yeah. he only had to have 26 tied him. Yeah. With I mean, you and know, so, yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, no. I remember when Griffey would just go on those tears and those and to this day, those are still my favorite home run derbies to watch. Oh, dude, because his swing was just so fluid. And you and you wonder how a guy that had an uppercut swing like that managed to bat over 300 as often as he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you he know? was batting 333 at the yeah. time. It, it's, it's crazy yeah. how beautiful and like it's all. Oh. And how he just generated that swing with his whole body, you know, and, and you look at a guy like Griffey and you're like, how did he hit home runs the way he did? He you was know? a solid dude. Like, yeah, but he, he wasn't McGuire big. He wasn't so no, severe, he wasn't, no, no, he wasn't that big. No, he was he still was kind of a lean kind of yeah, dude in that aspect. But still, like, like he was. Yeah. But he if was you a would guy look that at him, you wouldn't think would be able to to knock him out the way that he yeah. did. I mean, he just did. he generated torque with his entire body, and it was just mm-hmm. a thing of beauty. Uh, he was I, one I, of only two players in the '90s that didn't play for the Indians that I considered among my favorites, and the other yeah. is Sosa, uh, who I liked uh, until the whole steroid thing. No, steroid thing came out. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that. It, it just what. What could have been if the strike didn't hit 94? Yeah. You know, it, it would have been crazy because remember in 92 and 93, the Blue Jays won back-to-back World Series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine in 94 that Montreal takes it home? So in oh, the span yeah. of four years, you have three, you know, three Canadian World Series wins. Yeah, I was going to say, Canada would never let us live it down. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Ever. And, it, and, and, and fun fact, just, that was the first time since 1904 that there was no World Series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the kicker was that, you know, they managed to play World Series during World War One, you know, the, mm-hmm. the that year of it, during World War One and then throughout all four years during World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean it's it's crazy that it took labor strife uh for Major League Baseball to lose a postseason. Yeah, you know? And it may happen again. Yeah, and it, it, this is labor strife, you know, it's it's workers challenging management to make sure they get paid what was negotiated. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, I, I look back at that and I'm like, what could have happened? What, what, where would, how would baseball look? Would we have a Marlin still? Would contraction have went through? Would Montreal still have a team with a brand new stadium? Like what, what would this yeah. look like now? What would that you know, have how, meant? Yeah. yeah. How different would the league look than, uh, you know, it does right now. As an Indians fan, I would much prefer a, uh, a uh, uh, world where the Marlins didn't exist. You and me both. <laughs> One thing, though, that is kind of interesting about uh, Griffey that I didn't know until, like, I watched this and so, and then doing my notes, like, I kind of just went down rabbit holes for things, um, is that his son, Trey, is a free agent in the NFL. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. now. Um, but 
Yeah, yeah didn't just, he just work out with somebody? He was on practice squads. He was on yeah. practice squads for the Colts, um, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Um, no, I thought I thought like last week I saw, I thought I saw somebody him working out with somebody. Uh, he he might be he might be he catching might. balls for a big name quarterback because that's yeah. what they do. Yeah, because he's a wide receiver. So yeah, so okay. like, that's all he, he was doing. Hey but Heather, Heather was, yo. did he go to UCLA? Trey Griffey? No. Where did he go? Uh, um, give me a second. I'll pull it up to I can tell you. Um, but what I thought was really cool though, and in the meantime, while I'm looking that up, uh, he was he went to Arizona. Arizona, Arizona. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, Arizona. Uh, What I thought was really cool was that he was actually drafted in the 24th round of the 2016 MLB draft by the Mariners. Yeah, I mean that you see that a lot. And they did that symbolically. Yeah, it's kind of a throwaway pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's still cool though. Like. I mean, it's the team that his father and his grandfather played. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I mean, it, it still means, like, yes, you can say it's a throwaway pick, but, it, you know, it does have probably uh, a very deep, like, personal I mean, feel for him. Pat Mahomes Even got if he drafted. Didn't do anything. Pat Mahomes got drafted, and he was like, no, nah, man, and I ain't played baseball since high school. I have no intention of going back. <laughs> you know? But, um, I mean, and you look at the other game, like, that that series between the Knicks and the Rockets was fucking amazing. Um, yeah, because I mean, it was essentially that was the, that, that the was essentially Patrick year. Ewing versus Olajuwon. Wasn't that the retirement year? Uh, that was that was uh, the when first Jordan the Rock- was gone. Yeah, yeah, that was the mm-hmm. the, the first of the back to backs that the Rockets won before Jordan came back and decided he was going to win three straight titles yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like Hakeem and you had Robert Ori, uh, Sam Cassell, like that Rockets team was so fun to watch. I don't know if you guys picked up during one of the broadcasts. I think it was, you know, one of those one of the networks, uh, NBC networks that was pulling away to go to the chase. That was like in the fourth quarter. It's uh, 66 to 62. And I'm like, holy shit, basketball is so much better now than it was then. <laughs> um, I did catch that. I was like. Huh, that's very low scoring. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. and I was excited to watch that shit, okay? Yep. Like, I prefer an ABA style of basketball with 130 to 120 games with a fast pace. Um, and, and and it, it, like, you didn't have to be a defensive lineman in the paint the way that, you know, I mean, look, look at Olajuwon. He's about as big around as my leg. Um, and he's going up against Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason, two of like the most hardcore interior defenders to ever put a fucking jersey on. And they both play on the same team. Like, fuck, I can't imagine how beat up Olajuwon was by the end of that series. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was the first of the Rockets back-to-backs. Uh, that's where that's where Robert Ory, you know, became Big Shot Bob, uh, who just went went and won titles everywhere he went for being like a seventh player off the bench. Uh, <laughs> hey, what, whatever role you play, if you play it well. Dude, if memory serves, he won two at the Rockets, two at the Lakers, and then I think two with the Spurs. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he the one who made that uh, shot for the Lakers? Yeah. Big shot. Uh, against, uh, against the Kings? Dude, he he made he made a bunch of shots for the Rockets, Lakers, and the Spurs. Like the dude would just, they're like, "Hey, Robert, we're just gonna keep sit you for a while. The last three minutes of the fourth quarter, we're gonna get you in." And he would just hit these fucking shots to win games. It's just like, dude, 
you know what? You can't even bitch about your career, man. You really can't run around with like six fucking rings or so. And, and, and what, you know, known for hitting these game winning shots and multiple franchises. It's fucking crazy. He had seven, uh, actually. Seven? Seven rings? Jesus Christ. <laughs> 94, 95, then 2000 through 2002, 2005, and 2007. See, it's crazy. It's nuts. And this is a, you know, this is a guy who, um, you know, you wouldn't think had seven fucking rings. Like, Jordan doesn't have seven fucking rings, you know? <laughs> uh, I think we've established Robert Ory is the GOAT. No, actually, uh <laughs> That would be Bill Russell, who's got a ring for each of his fingers and one for one toe. So oh, okay, yeah, fair, mm-hmm. fair. Modern yeah. day goat. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Bill Bill Russell's still modern day to me. Like the guy's a fucking amazing man. Uh, I've listened to like uh, two of his like paid appearances where he gave a speech, and he's he's still as cantankerous as he was when he was playing and coaching the Boston fucking Celtics. Okay, so can you imagine being a tall black man? In one of the most racist cities in America. Yeah. Like, like that's uh, fucking nuts. Horrible, man. no, but yeah. Agreed. You know. Um, any final thoughts on this, the th- uh, 26th anniversary of I, June 14th? I'm actually interested, it's interested to see more of the director's work because he said he's been playing with this kind of idea. Mm-hmm. I want to know, I want to know what else he did in the same yeah. kind of, uh, you know, means of, you know, filmmaking, like where he has nobody in front of the camera. It's just a series of clips to, to build this, this story uh, mm-hmm. that really pulls you in. It does. So. It is. It's very compelling. It's yeah. very, very compelling. I will give him that. And I know that we really didn't talk much about Almer, uh, Arnold Palmer. Cause I know like not on, the three of us are not huge golf fans, but you know, there are people who are and you know, him, you know, playing his last round, basically a professional golf, you know, it's a big deal because he had been playing for like 45 years at that point, 40 years, something like that. But like, and, how do you get upset about it when you know he's just going to the senior tour the next year, man? Like, I mean, you're right. But like, he was kind of the guy. Um, so, so fun fact about Northeast Louisiana, like we're not super big into basketball, but a lot of people like golf. And so I kind of knew who he was um, from that. But like um, he was kind of the guy who golf is always usually perceived as like this very like elitist type sport. And he with with Arnold, what what made him so like popular was that he was very like soft spoken, very down to earth. Like he was the type of dude, like he would sign any autograph that was made, that was brought to him. You know, he would look anyone and everyone in the eye, like no matter how many people were there. Like this dude was like, is he, he was one of the originals that were inducted in one of the 13 originals that was inducted in the pro golf hall of fame in 1974. So like this dude is like, was goat for, you know, golf. So I, I don't want to dismiss him because we're not into that. Cause there's probably people who are. So I do want to kind of recognize like, that's a long career. That's a really uh, yeah. long career. Yeah. And one of the, in one sport. And one of the most least physical sports. You're right. Ever. You are right. 
Okay. I'm just saying like, it's that's still what, an accomplishment. It's, okay? why they, it's why they have a senior tour. Exactly. Listen, <laughs> they're important too. Okay. Are, are um, shut up. Yes. They I'm are. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I don't mean it. <laughs> Hug your grandmothers and grandfathers. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, like, like you said, like it, it really was, it was a really, really good story. And it was things that I hadn't thought about, honestly, probably since that time. And now looking back on it, it was like, it's like, holy shit. Like that was a major, major yeah. thing that happened that, like I said, we'll probably never see again. God, like, I hope ever. not. I hope not. Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> but if it does, it'll actually, be an actual spectacle. Dude, no, I think that it would actually break the internet. It like, would. You, like people joke about breaking the internet. No, I think something like that happening again would break the actual oh. fucking internet. I'm trying yeah. to think of what could possibly even be closely compared to There's not anything. what happened that day. Um, but I, I'm really not drawing any conclusions. Um, nope. But. That'll do it for this week's episode. You can find us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get in the conversation or our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Hometown Crowd Pod. You can subscribe anywhere you find your podcast. And if you're an Apple listener, drop us a review. You can also find us on the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. So check out 910 Comedy on Facebook and check out our sister shows. That's Just My Face, Marital Tiffs, and Dead Girls Talking. For Mac and Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Later. And remember, if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. Oh, Jesus, she went there. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye.